Hey everybody. Hello and welcome everybody to Out of the Saddle podcast presented by Health and Scoop. I'm Coach Handy sitting here with Chuck Coyle. How you doing? And today we're going to have a quick chat with Kunda Court who is currently about just over a week into the Vuelta Espana and uh, we'll get some insights into the difficulty of the tour so far, we'll get some insights into the lack of sprint days and obviously the uh, the battle royale for the red jersey. Can Froome do the double? Thanks for listening. Hey guys, so uh, just going out on a limb here, ringing a good mate of mine, Kunda Court. He's currently uh, balls deep in the Vuelta Spania. So let's see if he answers his phone and can be bothered talking to Out of the Saddle podcast presented by Healthy Scoop. What do you think the stage finished half hour ago? Hour ago? Maybe. How you doing, mate? Well, what do you know, ladies and gentlemen? He's answered the phone. It's Kunda Court. <laughs> From Trek Segafredo, thank you very much uh-huh. for answering the call. Hello, how are you, mate? We just cold called you on the uh, on the podcast, and we just thought oh, he's probably on the bus here at home. I wonder if he can be bothered answering a few questions. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Just on the on the bus, I'm actually just arriving at the hotel right now. So uh, perfect call, right at the right time. The perfect timing. Yeah, you got nothing to do, nothing going on. Nothing whatsoever. It's a, a massage a little bit later on, but uh, yeah, that can wait. Wait for an important phone call anyway. Good on you, mate. Hey, so uh, just a couple of quick questions, mate. I've just interested uh, the Vuelta this year. She just seems like a mongrel. What's what's your take on it? You've done a hundred of them. What do you reckon? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's definitely very hard. I mean, it's uh, it always is hard in the Vuelta with the heat and and uh, the really steep climbs we have, but uh, and when you look at the course, we haven't really done anything yet. I mean, all the hard climbs are still to come, and uh, we still have to go all the way down south. So the real the real heat is still to come as well, and uh, and still guys are already on their knees. You you can just see even today we're going up a little bit of a rise going towards the last climb, and you know, the, the, everyone's getting dropped in the back. It's just so it's it's so hard already now. And what do you put that down to? Is it is the it's racing fun. super aggressive? Is it is it uh, such a long season? Is it what 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 do you put that down to? I think the the level is definitely really really high at the moment in uh, in this Vuelta. There's there's a lot of good uh, good climbers here, and uh, uh, all the big GC guys have a good team here. I guess it's really important now to get a good result for the for a lot of these guys in this race and. And otherwise, I mean, it is definitely a long season, but I don't think it has a huge influence on it, on it all now. It's just been it's been full gas racing. And yesterday was the only day the breakaway went relatively easy, but it's also that Sky is not really letting uh, letting any group go very far, and they oh, really want to hang on to that lead. They're just like, let them go, please let them go, please let them go, and they just do not let the break go. They just keep chasing it. Hate that. Yeah, I, I'm not really I'm not really sure. I don't really understand why they wouldn't just give the the red jersey away today. I mean, 
they could have just let the break go to 10 minutes or, or seven or eight at least and, and give the lead away with five minutes. I mean, Nelson Oliveira, I don't think he's going to win the GC here. But, uh, yeah, they, they, still, they still insist on, on keeping the lead. So um, one thing I noticed when I was doing the Grand Tours, you know, 100 years ago was uh, I noticed that when the, <laughs> when the tours were really hard mountainously, there was never really many sprinters that would turn up to the race. So therefore, Gruppetto was actually a group of riders that were normally a group in front of the Gruppetto. So to make Gruppetto actually became a very, very difficult situation. Do you think that's what's happening at the moment? Oh, absolutely. I'm uh, 100% sure of that. Uh, there are pretty much no non-climbers here. And um, even I've been really working hard this year on, on climbing well, losing uh, quite a lot of weight, just uh, to make sure that I could help out Alberto Contador because that was definitely the the goal in the tour. And uh, it was pretty early on. It was uh, pretty clear that I was going to be the goal in the Vuelta as well. So um, yeah, I can I can definitely see there's there's a lot of guys that are that are having trouble um, staying in the group because the pace is just really really high. Even if we have lots of time, I mean, no one's even been close to time cut here. I think in a race at all. But uh, yeah, guys are still just keeping riding their tempo, and for for some of the sprinters, that's uh, that, that's a really hard tempo to follow. Yes, that's that's true, and you know sometimes. You know, when they're a level above, I mean, I can just speak from personal experience. They they just climb a level above me, so they're they're going easy is probably a good twenty or thirty watts more than I want to do comfortably. And even if we went that twenty or thirty watts less, we'd still be comfortably in, inside the time cut. But but yeah, when you don't have a big group of sprinters to and someone to control the bus, it's uh, yeah, it's it just makes life so much difficult. Yeah, absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So, have you got um? Just moving on. You've you've done eight days now. Yep. And uh, any Correct. any personal ambitions during the tour? Um. Well, it it, it looks like uh, Alberto is uh is over his bad day he had in Andorra, um, and then, uh, we uh we thought there um that maybe he was going to have to hunt stages and uh, that would open up. Some possibilities for me personally as well, but um, yeah, he shows now he's he's in really good shape, and it was just a, a freakishly bad day that day in Andorra that he lost two and a half minutes on, and um, he uh, he insists on uh, on having me around him all the time for me to make sure the team works well together and right in the wind. That's because you've got such a big ass, mate, and you cover so much wind, so he just loves hanging around your <laughs> loves hanging around your wheel. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he uh, what he what he does. So um, yeah, I don't I don't think I'm going to have a lot of chances to go in the breakaways. But um, now he's he's really thankful, and you know you see how the people love him here in Spain, and and it's his last race, and I I really enjoy working for him. So I have no problems with uh, with setting aside my own ambitions and making sure that uh, he finishes on the podium in his last Grand Tour. That's the reason you've been so successful for so many years is your, your selflessness in, as a teammate. But um, do you find, uh, you know, I did it on occasion also as look after a GC rider when we had um, Jürgen Vandenbroek on the team. And I think being mm -hmm. a sprinter, well, actually being a lead-out man, you're, you're very much more in tune as to what the rider behind you is doing. So you know 
to sit out plus one in the wind because you know that the guy on your wheel will then be sheltered. So I think, you know, okay, I'm not going to be there in the high mountains to help him, but leading into the leading into the mountains or over the smaller ones, you're you, you just have this unique um, ability to know how to guard a captain right un, right until the final minutes, even if it means that you're pushing a lot more wind than you should. You you just because being a lead out man for so long, it's it's ingrained in your brain. Do you find that helps? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think he found it out really quickly in the tour. That's the first race we were doing together. And, uh, and very quickly he said he, uh, he wanted to just be behind me. Um, but still in the tour, I, I learned a lot because, you know, as you say, I've been a lead out man, but it also means looking after sprinters. So pretty much always I've had a sprinter on my wheel. And um, even though I know that you know, it's, it's like having a trailer behind you going through the bunch. You know, you, know, you need to make sure that there's space behind you for the guy following you. But, yeah, actually, just, but, for the, uh, having... just for the listeners, Kuhn, just, uh, that's a really good point. Um, it's uh, what a lot of – you'll find a lot of sprinters don't actually become good lead-out men because what you just touched on then, and that's the, what, that's the analogy I use also, it's, it's truck and trailer. You have to remember that the gap that you go through, you've got to bring your trailer through as well. And it's uh, you, if you keep that mentality, it's it's always sometimes it's the long way around because you got to take your, your trailer with you, and and that's what makes a really good lead out man is is that that ability and that you know that consciousness that you've got the trailer on the back of you, aka the sprinter. Yeah, no, absolutely, and uh, and and there's definitely still a difference between having uh, a sprinter trailer or a, or a skinny climber trailer behind you and. The, the gaps that I have to, that I can go through uh, have to be a lot bigger than uh, when the sprinter is behind me, and yeah, um, gotcha. also you know accelerating out of corners stuff like that. It's yep. uh, you got to hold back a whole lot more. I mean, my my max power on the stages is so much lower than it normally is. So you're not putting out, you're not putting I, out that two thousand watts anymore. You're just backing it down to fifteen hundred. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah. up to like eighteen, nine hundred nowadays. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, so that, now that's actually a really good point. So, yeah, so say, for example, you had Degging Cole or Kittle on your wheel or, or I had Gripel on my wheel, you know, I could accelerate it out of the corner just about maximal and it, they could still do it on their seat. You know, that's the amount of power that those sprinters have. But if you've got Correct. a guy like Alberto Contador who's, whose max power is maybe 800 watts, you've got to be really careful and you've got to, like, just squeeze on that throttle and to make sure that you don't load him up with lactic and then and then pick a path back to the to the correct position in the peloton yeah yeah no exactly and um the crazy thing we were talking about that the other day um we were riding really hard into the bottom of a climb and uh and, and it was actually it, it was pretty hard and we were going faster and i asked alberto i said i does that hurt you as well? I mean, we, we're going really fast. We said, yeah, yeah, it hurts. But then afterwards comes the climb, and then I can recover, so it's all right. Like, <laughs> did you recover when we start the last climb of the day? Like, I can't even comprehend. No, uh, don't even bother trying, mate. Don't even bother trying comprehending that. That's just, <laughs> yeah, that's just, another, it's just another language, mate. It's like... The difference between Flemish and English, like don't even try and understand. Oh, actually, you can do both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still not trying to understand this bit. <laughs> so, um, so tell me, coming up, 
any days that, you know, what's the biggest GC day? What's the day that we should be worrying about time cut and, um, you know, what day's got you scared? Um, well, the, the day of Sharon Nevada is definitely the day that's got me, it got me scared. And I've been on training camp there before, so... So I know Sierra, the area just, just a little for the, bit. Just for the view, uh, the the listeners, Sierra Nevada. That's high altitude, yeah. Yes, correct. We also finished that day. I'm not 100 percent of it, if I'm saying it correct, but I think we finished at 2,500 meters uh, altitude. So that's that about, day that's in about the, eight and a half thousand, close to nine thousand feet. Yeah, so that's that's going to be hard on its on its own and. The, we have a short stage, which, as you know, is always a problem with time cut and lots of climbing. And I think that's going to be the day where the where the GC is going to be really turned upside down if, if it's up to Alberto anyway, and uh, where I'm going to be struggling for time cut. Right, okay, yeah, because they, there's a weird rule with the time cut, and it's, uh, for, for those that aren't familiar with time cut, it's... Um, it's a it's it's a percentage of the time that the winner takes, but the percentage gets smaller with the slower the speed you go. So it's actually counterintuitive. So if you've got a very very hard stage, and the reason that the stage is a slow average speed is literally because the stage is so hard. So then what happens is they go, oh, they've ridden so slowly, we'll make the time cut smaller. So it's it's there's quite a few days in the Tour, the Vuelta, the Giro where you're panicking because it's like this is a super hard stage. I'm averaging 33k an hour, which is the slowest on the on the road book, and that makes the time cut the smallest. So yeah, there's yeah. definitely a lot of panic that can go on in a gruppetto. Yeah, and, and the and the added problem is that you're not entirely sure about the the exact time cut because, uh, as you say, it depends on the average speed. So you won't know the exact time cut until the first rider finishes. So if you can sort of uh, before the finish comes, uh, you can sort of think how much the time cut's going to be, but you don't know for sure until the first rider finishes, and it usually only gives you about half an hour to to, to get up to the finish on short stages like that. So, um, yeah, then then uh, sometimes there's a bit of panic in the group header. And then you have to make that decision, you know, like, uh, guys, we really need to ride. We can't be just uh, cruising along here. We've got to uh, put the gas on. Yeah, I've I've been in a few groupettos with you, Andy. Uh, I remember them. <laughs> I was just going to say that, mate. We've been in a few groupettos together where it's like, you know what? We better get this whole groupetto rolling as fast as we can because we are going to run it close to the time limit here. So tell me, there's a there's a UCI rule, Kun. Um, if you could explain, there's a limit to how many people they can cut in in one race. Uh, what's the actual UCI rule there? Do you know? Actually, I don't know about this rule, so, to be honest. So I was always of the belief that if it's over 30% of the peloton that's outside of the time cut, the race will then deem the stage was too hard and you can all fit back inside the time cut because I was in a situation like that in the Vuelta one year and we literally had 80 guys in the Gruppetto, maybe more, 90 guys in the Gruppetto, and it was, you know, we were all outside by four or five minutes. You know, we weren't even close, and uh, we were all allowed to start the next day because it was just, they just, either they, they raced from the, 
they raced from the front, you know, full gas, attacking each other, and they raced from kilometre zero to the finish. And the Gruppetto didn't stand a chance. You know, we had five five coals to go over. And um, so that's when that's when that rule comes in, you know, that saying safety in numbers. So that's where if you can get a, yes. if you can get a big Gruppetto to roll across the line together, that's more than 30% of the entire peloton, the UCI won't cut you. Yeah, yeah, that, that actually happened to me last year in the World Tour as well, where um, straight in the beginning of the stage, there was a, a big group of 30, I think, away, and we had a couple of GC guys in there, and then a group with Chris Froome, who was then leading the race, was chasing with another group of 30 riders, and they just kept racing, like team time trialing, two groups of 30 riders together over all these mountains, and uh, all the other riders, like they weren't in these first 60, they they had no chance at all to ever make time cut. And um, it was the first we're first time in my life I missed time cut. But uh, yeah, we were allowed to start the next day again. Yeah, it's um, yeah. There's definitely some stressful times in the uh, in the groupetto. Hey, so and just one final question, mate. And again, I really appreciate you taking this phone call. Just coming off the bus, I know you've got a lot of recovery coming up, but. Uh, Tell me, in your opinion, can Chris Froome do the double? I think he can, yes. Um, he, he's been looking very strong. I, I think he's at the moment the strongest rider in the in the peloton. Um, as we touched on the subject a little bit before, is that, that the team is definitely um, taking this race really by the horns and, and making sure that this race is really hard for everyone. And... Uh, there, there could be a chance that they are really overestimating their own possibilities, their own capabilities. So um, we're, we're kind of hoping that maybe one day Sky and, and Chris Froome will crack and that we still have, uh, have a chance um, to, uh, to make up some time. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I think he, he is definitely the strongest rider and um, he, he is, uh, he's so good that I, I can't really see him not winning uh, the World Cup, but we're going to try what we can to, uh, to make sure that, uh, that, that we, uh, we get as close as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Just go down swinging, mate. That's, uh, that's the tactic anyway, exactly. isn't it, with bike racing? Go down swinging, and I'm sure you guys will have a crack. Well, thanks again, Kun. Thanks for taking the phone call. Sorry to interrupt your, uh, your recovery. <laughs> and, um, you know, who knows by the Any end. Any time the, for you, Handy? By the end of the uh, <laughs> by the end of the tour, I might give you another ring. Sounds good. Always right. happy to talk to you. Right, on, mate. Take care. Uh, that's it.